Welcome along to the latest episode of the Left Wing Back Podcast. Today we're going to be talking to Paul Cody, Carlos Senior Hurler, who I have on the line. And a little bit later we'll be talking to Sean Gannon uh, with the Carlo Footballers, of course, for some time at this stage. And both sides out in action over the course of the weekend. It's the Hurlers that are up first on Saturday at 3 o'clock in Netwatch Cullen Park against Andrew in the Joe McDonough Cup. And it's been a kind of a, a strange setup, to say the least, as we all know at this stage, with 2020 and the way it's gone. But it's also been a number of weeks since we spoke hurling on this podcast. And Paul, good to have you on first and foremost. Um, hope everything hope everything's going well with yourself. Uh, a long time ago now since that county final. Yeah, uh, thanks very much for having us, Kevin. It is, I think it was the 30th of August, if um, memory serves me right, which, you know, is... Seems like seems seems like a, an eternity uh, ago now at this stage, and I suppose even more so because we dropped dropped tools and picked up a football for for four or five weeks and and had forgotten about hurling. Um, so it's a little bit it's a little bit strange getting back into it, but now for the first week or two, but you know, uh, all hands on deck now, and we're back ready to go. Good stuff. I probably should mention this episode is in association with uh, Paul Kelly at the back in line clinic as well, who I know is in with you guys, Paul. I hope you haven't been actually on the bed there uh, lately too much, have you? No, thankfully the the, the body is held up uh, relatively well. Um, lockdown was 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 good to to me in in helping get get rid of niggles and uh, previous injuries. So so far so good this year. Touch wood. Yeah, you kind of used it to your advantage there. You were kind of saying off air and got the body back right. Um, you mentioned you had that surgery or whatever. So obviously that played a part in the club campaign because, you know, you had a magnificent year of surrenders there. You seemed to enjoy that role in around the middle. You looked like you were sitting a little bit and, you know, you spread ball all over the gaff in every game, gone to the world of ball, and you looked like you were enjoying your hurling most of all. Yeah, um, definitely. It was, it was a very, very enjoyable campaign. Uh, with Mount Leinster Rangers, I suppose going back to winning the Joe McDonald in the summer of 2018, when when that finished, I kind of needed an operation on my knee, um, because I had no cartilage left in it. But I kind of persisted with the club, seeing that year, and I put it off till after. But I only came on in the county final, and you know I wasn't doing anyone any favors because I wasn't much help to the lads. And then I got it in December uh, of that year, and kind of hoped to be back for last summer. Uh, when it told me nine months, then in my head it was six months. But they they are the experts for a reason, and you know I spent the whole last year kind of chase, chasing my tail, and the way I kind of looked at it, then it was kind of two years I passed, and I'd given nothing to the club almost, um, you know, and I was trying, and but the more I was trying, the more setbacks I was getting, and I wasn't able to to get free of pain, I suppose, uh, in playing. So I suppose when this year came around, one of the main goals I had was to make sure I was in as good as Nick as I could be and, and give everything I could to the club whenever uh, that would roll around. And I didn't think we were going to have another three or four months off. But when, when the county finished and we went into lockdown earlier in the year, I was lucky enough I had the use of a, a gym and, you know, I spent six or seven days, um, you know, just getting the body right and getting it strong and, you know, getting rid of niggles and, and getting ready to to take on punishment, I suppose, what was coming ahead and previously it was breaking down. So kind of before the club season started, then I knew the work was done and I knew what it was like uh, putting training sessions consecutively together and I felt good and I felt fit. And when you're playing well, then you're able to enjoy it more. Um, and I knew like I was going to get the best out of myself again. And, you know, going back to January, February this year, I was kind of thinking, you know, I'm done. My legs are done. I'm never going to get back to where I was. And, 
you know, I could be hanging them up uh, sooner than I'd like. But um, thankfully, thankfully, um, I came through lockdown and I, I seem to be playing. Or I seem to be playing a lot better than I was in the past eighteen months. But that wouldn't be hard. <laughs> Yeah, look, um, you're always honest anyway. You've made the headlines on more than one occasion with national media for for speaking speaking the mind. And whether that's about yourself, your own involvement or your own performances or um, outlooks on, on GA as a whole, uh, that's one thing we can't hold against you. There's always a degree of honesty there, a full degree of honesty, I might add. Um, so I, I assume your thoughts on Joe McDonough and how he's been treated haven't really changed in the two years since Carlo were, were actually in the competition because we didn't see a whole lot of it on the TV last week, did we? No, um, I suppose I, I made my um, claim and I said what I had to say previously and if I was only saying it again, I'd, I'd only be repeating myself. But, but it hasn't changed, long story short. No, it hasn't changed, long story short. And in nearly now, you just have to accept it and, and get on with it. Um, if you're going to let it frustrate you, you're going to have a very frustrating career. Um, but no, I don't, they have no interest in, in the Joe McDonough. You're, I suppose, thankfully, we're not doing it for anyone by, our, by ourselves and, and who we're representing. But it, just in the promotion of Hurling and the bigger picture, you think the GA would have a little bit more respect in cop on? Yeah, because it's a damn good competition, as we said many times. And we saw last year when Leash went down and won it, they beat Dublin the following week and going to another quarter final acquitted themselves well against Tipperary now I suppose they'll come back and argue that the prize and the carrot here for you guys this year if you can go well in it is the curtain raiser for the All-Ireland final um, but aside from streams if we don't see a whole lot of it and it's just a kind of a, a token gesture you know is that still really good enough? No absolutely not um, do you know there, there probably won't be 10 minutes shown between now and whoever gets to the final and when the final is on the 13th of December they'll probably show 5 or 10 minutes on the Sunday game that night I don't know if they're going to roll out the, the Joe McDonough All-Stars or that but then when they're doing rolling out those All-Stars they'll probably look at the look at the sheets or, of the, or the match reports of that and see who kind of got a few scores or see who played uh, consistently or who held someone scoreless on the opposition team for 3 or 4 matches and look at Antrim and Westmead and Carlo and kind of picked a few from that and that's kind of what you're accustomed to uh, at this at this level, and yeah, like you said, it's it's frustrating. And if you if you if you let it get to you, it definitely would. I was only briefly thinking about it yesterday, and it kind of my whole emphasis on the promotion of the thing would be because it would promote hurling in Carlo, and like I'm hugely passionate for Carlo hurling, and I spend most of my free time thinking about hurling, whether it's for the club or county, and. Like the promotion of Carlo Hurling, just with the help of some some of um some of the players in the in there, I was only working it out in our head. So just I'm going off topic a small bit here now. But for for instance, if you take all the hurling clubs in Carlo, there's ten, okay. Mm-hmm. Between junior, intermediate, and senior, there's ten clubs to play hurling. You know, Burn Rangers, they breed Bangladesh Rangers, etc. So there's ten clubs, and. If if each club if each club team say has twenty eight players, that'd be a total of two hundred and eighty players. Now if we're making up a county team of thirty, we'd have to pick thirty from that two hundred and eighty. So ten percent of the players there have to be good enough to play county, inter county hurling. So every one in ten players developed in Carroll have to be good enough for senior inter county hurling, which like is extremely hard to do like and you say one out of ten. So if you look at then the nine other teams in the Lee McCarthy uh from you know 
with the exception of Leash, the nine teams, the way they're working at it, most of them have kind of 36 clubs up to up to 70. And the way they're looking at it is, it, I think Kenny and Wexford, say, have 3%. And say Cork would only need 1% of their players. So every one of 100 people in Cork that play senior hurling or adult hurling would need to be good enough for county. Every three out of 100 in Kilkenny or or Kilkenny in, in um, Kilkenny or Wexford would need to be good enough for hurling. So, you know... If you look at it that way, whereas we need over ten percent of our adults players to be good enough for the county hurling, like we're punching way above where we should be. Like if if you look at who we're kind of aspiring to be or who we're playing around, that if we keep the numbers as low as we are, we won't uh, we won't climb any more steps. We won't get any higher on the ladder. We won't be able to break into a Lee McCarthy in my lifetime. Um, we will. We have a good batch there now. If the bat, if if the numbers were to continue uh, decreasing or anything was to go backwards, you know we would slip back. And if if you're after slipping back, it's very hard to get back up the ladder. So that's my whole concept of of why it annoys me um, the lack of support from the GA and the lack of promotion within Carlo to get the hurling going because we've got it realistically as far as we can go that we're, we're so far punched above our weight if you break it down and look at other counties and their numbers to where what we're doing with 10 clubs and only five senior clubs it, it, it's it's amazing if you take a step back and look at it yeah the percentages are actually scary like they're actually <laughs> when, you, when you think of it like you know it's it's, it's mad and unfortunately you know as you mentioned some of those clubs while one or two you know, players have shown great promise and possibly we will see, I don't have pressure on young lads and name names, but there's a certain chap there in Gordon Randers and a couple of more coming after him that will be knocking on the door there shortly. They, they definitely make more senior club teams anyway, I would say. Um, we're going to be looking at that sort of situation for the foreseeable, as, as the fella said. So, yeah, you, know, you, you love, have to help ourselves. Yeah, well, that's it. Know, like you love seeing that. Like Burn Rangers doing amazing work, and it's not going to be simple. And you see Cara Town in under fifteen final against us, and you, honestly, you love to see it. And hopefully, you can continue. Um, and if you go back, like you went back twenty years, Rangers were Rangers were intermediate, and as far as I know, won won the intermediate ninety six ninety seven and. Got awful beatings for the you know the first six seven years of senior hurling, um, and you know started to build and there's a, there's a there's a foundation now in our club, but if you went back to the nineties, you know we were the whipping boys of Carlo, so like it's going to take a lot of work for clubs to within Carlo to get up and going, and it's not going to be short term, but definitely if they if they can persist with it and get a foundation in place you know, down the line, uh, it's definitely worth worth all the work. Yeah, and speaking of kind of guys coming through or whatever, I'm sure you watched the 20s game and you would have seen the minors the week before that and uh, ultimately two defeats. Um, it's always kind of give or take between Carlo and Westmead and always has been for some time and the same with Leash. Like, there is lads that look like they can make that bit of a breakthrough. I certainly thought any of look at the 20s game and give... Jesus, there's a couple of cracking hurlers on with with the seventeens. The first, you know, the first. Jesus, there's someone even another year at, at that level, and it's it's kind of scary when you see the talent coming through. But we need that kind of in draws. We need that more than any other county. Instead of getting the one or two to top of the tank, we almost need three, four, or five every year. You do, and and not to knock anyone at all. But we were just discussing that recently among ourselves, and Chris Nolan and Kevin, I think, came in sixteen as. 
uh, out when we were just out of minor. And from that, from that, I don't think we've had anyone to bridge the gap. Um, like I think of off the top of my head, like the two boys have have came from minor and, and put themselves as starters. And Kenny were brilliant that they were still as strong as ever, but they were just blood in one and blood in two. And, you know, if you looked at Cara team over the last four or five years, there's a huge amount of mileage put on the clock for a lot of the same lads. Um, and they haven't been found wanting and the sacrifices they've made have been amazing. But if you if you look at you know what what Richie and Jack Kavanagh and Mouse already and Dermot, to say Eddie Borden, John Michael Noel and Brian Tracy, the same lads have, have never been found wanted for Carlo. But it's hard to stay to stay going and definitely by looking at next year's division two, that if we could, you know, blood a few of those under twenties, uh, get game time into them, get senior into county hurling into them, and create a panel where you have, you know, thirty six players that you can call on, and, and everyone making everyone else better, that will definitely help um, our our senior group, and it's what's needed. So, who have we got in kind of in terms of new players uh, for for Saturday's game, Paul? Is there many after lads kind of coming and going? Um, from. From I suppose the the league campaign this year, we had a very uh, a very tough league campaign, and I told you there now about the same lads have been on the go all the time. A lot of those same lads have picked up knocks, and because the GA has no down season with our county final uh, in, in Carlow being the twentieth of October on that weekend every year, and the county going back to start in November, you know you really only have two weeks off maximum if you're lucky enough to be getting to the county final. And then when the league, you know, when we were back in the preseason for the league, lads have niggles, and that left us very short in the league because you know there was five, six, seven lads who kind of had to step away to to get either operations or let uh, injuries heal. So the the upside on that then is with lockdown and the club campaign, we have a good few bodies back in. We have Brian Tracy back fit and healthy. Um, we have Eddie Byrne back. If we went up to Westmead that day in the league final, uh, Richie was carrying a knock. He wasn't in two. Mouse was carrying a knock. So so we have fit bodies back, which is a help from the group. Then regarding uh, who was in, there's not there's nothing, um, as far as I'm aware, of added to the squad from earlier in the, the year. Um, and what we have is we've got under 20s train with us and there's five or six of them who have been doing very well who I imagine are going to be brought onto the, the senior squad for the campaign Good stuff now we do have a change of management as well because I, I know um, Carl Delahunty and PJ Delaney have departed but Martin Bourne is back with a couple of other familiar faces Yeah Martin Bourne and Tibby Hammersley and Anya Kinsella are back on board so we're having a great three years with that group, so they're going to be back on board for the next five or six weeks. And someone said the band is back together, and we'll have one last dance. <laughs> yeah, Martin is well known for being uh, like there's serious intensity with with the drills. In fairness to him, and the boys who say he's half mad, I don't know. Martin's a good character now, and he won't mind me saying that. But I think you generally have to be half mad when you're in this game, Paul. You do, you have to be half mad. And Martin came on board with us to Rangers at the start of this decade when when we were having a club success, and then he came on board with the intercounty team. So I know I've, I've lost time Martin for and what I've been successful because he's never been far away. But he is. He's stone. He's stone wall cracked, and he tell you that himself. And anyone that tell you a story about him would tell you the same thing, or anyone that knows him. But he's able to get the the best out of us, and he's he's some of our lads are stonewall crack too. So I suppose it rubs off on him. Uh, and his um, his trainings are intense, and 
he knows what his excellence at and he's able to get the, the best elbows in training. So, you know, we're happy to, to, to hear that he's back on board. And, and Timmy Hammersley also was, was excellent over the past 24 months. And anyone who knows Anya um, knows that she's worth her weight in gold too. Good stuff. So, like, when we're talking about Carlo versus Antrim, not a whole lot really changes over the years. A couple of personnel here and there, but uh, they had a good win last weekend over, over Westmead. Um, but, look... It's there's very, it's very rare that there's anything between these sides. But in terms of what they, what people have to do to get the games now, I'm I'm not really too sure about how they're getting down. I assume you know some teams here they, they go with two fifty two seater buses and then they're last coming cars or whatever they're at. But if it's a case that like we know for definite it won't be one fifty two seater bus, so that's a bit of a trek coming down to play a game in this sort of environment as well with all that's going on. It should stand to you a little bit, you'd imagine. Yeah, you can look. You can you can get the pros and cons if if you want to go that way. You can, and then you can say that they have two matches already played, so they're at an advantage already. And if you want to pull them in the car for three hours and then say we're at advantage, you, you can you can twist it and turn it any way you want. Um, when the ball is running, I think it'll make little to no difference if 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 whoever whoever you're playing against head is right but that is um it's something new that we're gonna to have to get used to. I think as far as I'm aware that if someone test positive on a bus that has COVID, those that are on the bus or close on the bus are considered a close contact. So the safest um, way to be would be travel by car and bar you're living with the person um, to travel on your own. So probably what I imagine when we're playing carry away, that's how we will approach that game. And how do you feel about playing yourself? I know you work as a teacher, but like, is there a little bit of anxiety about going out and doing this for our enjoyment, or are you, are you happy to be out there to take the risk as well? Yeah, yeah. To be totally honest with you, as I said, if the intercounty scene two months ago got pulled, uh, it got pulled. I won the last leap, and now that's going ahead. It's great that kind of way. Um, I'm a teacher, and I'm lucky enough to be able to play hurling uh, in the evening. So you can imagine level one or two or three, four or five, it makes no difference to me. The life is still kind of the norm. Nothing has changed in my day to day. But in my own context, my own thing would be that I'm fine if I get COVID. I, I, I have no issue with it. I'm happy to take it. It might make me feel ill for 10 or 14 days, whatever. But I would hate the thought of getting COVID and giving it to a loved one or bringing it home to my father. Um who who's at that stage of his life where it could be an issue so so that that plays on your mind but me going to school it carries the same risk um and, and everyday life i suppose carries the same risk so in the in the hurling side of things the way i just look at it is you, you come to train and talked out ready to go you, you avoid the dressing rooms where possible you don't have close contacts you, you do your training and you get in the car and you go home so I suppose you, you limit or you notify um the threats that could be there um and catch catching covid and that's all um we can do but so that's the the negatives obviously to if it was to to get it and have to do that but then you look at the the pros and yeah i just see like someone putting up a, a picture of what's ahead this weekend of games um and you know there's five games on Saturday and two games on Sunday and I know that for people at home or in lockdown of level five you know that's a huge help to them and they're going to they're going to really enjoy sitting down and it's going to give them something to look forward to this weekend to know that they're staring at four walls and it's going to pass their weekend and it's going to give them something to talk about and it's definitely going to lift people's spirits 
the, the GAA and, and having something to look for. It's a lot of shite that they have to have Sky to watch matches and most people don't have Sky in, in rural places or have it, um, especially the older community. So they'll miss out on three or four matches. But um, definitely the pros then of of the matches going ahead this weekend are definitely visible to see um, all around us as well. Yeah, I think so. And uh, on the podcast a number of weeks ago, we were yeah we we're discussing it whether it should or shouldn't be going on. But after the first weekend, as we kind of mentioned there on last week's podcast, when we got to see uh, watch Carlos Ligo in, in the football, and uh, Jesus, like how good that was to actually see a game of football, even though you couldn't be there to just see it and have something to talk about, and it gave it gave everyone a lift. Like, and I'd imagine I'm not on my home when I say that because. Everyone is in the one boat. We all love the game. We all love Carlo football and Carlo Hurling. And like that's the only thing I said previously was that I just hope you guys are kept safe and everything is controlled and testing is available and it's rigorous if you're going to put it on the line for us. And I think that's the least you deserve. Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, you're always talking worst case scenario when you when you think of, of COVID and, and, and talk about... Um, the repercussions of, of getting it put you would like to know it like you're, you're coming and i know the gpa have made some noise about what they're going to do in regard to testing but you would like to know that your environment is, is a safe environment and as i said to you it, it, i'm not thinking about my own health it's it, it's other people's health um and possibly affecting them that would be what i'm most cautious about um in, in how i'm carrying myself good stuff well listen um we wish you all the best on on saturday uh it's going to be a good game it is available on uh, on on par tv um i don't think i suppose when you go between the four lines or whatever i said the last thing on your mind is, is going to be covered <laughs> some somehow or another but uh look i suppose just a, a little message from the people of carlo thanks for actually putting yourself forward along with everyone else on the panel and and doing this for our enjoyment because without it we wouldn't have a whole else to talk about do you know what i mean so fair play to you and best of luck Thanks very much, Kevin. Appreciate your time. Now, as you mentioned uh, earlier, we are now joined by Sean Gannon, uh, Carlos senior footballer for some time. Uh, captain's armband this year? There is no armband, of course, Sean, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, I suppose I was joint captain with Brendan um, under Turlow, and, and then when Niall came in, he asked me to to take the captaincy. Um, I suppose in the back of my head, I knew it wasn't a, an overly long-term commitment um, with we had only one league game and and a knockout championship, you know. So um, yeah, I was I was more than happy to do it, and I was very proud to take it. And um, so it was a nice little bonus, I suppose. Ah, oh, you're you're knocking around a long time now. You were you were probably Jewish when 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 Torlo gave it to you, and uh, looking a better man. Three championships there with Airog and stuff, and um, you do you're talking on the field from what I gather anyway, and what I've seen, you definitely do your talking on the field, uh, and I think that's the way you prefer to do it. Is that the type of captain you see yourself as, or? Do you go in and, and talk the talk as well as walking the walk? Um, look, I'm lucky enough with that team, and I suppose with Airog as well. We have an awful lot of of players who are who are intelligent guys and and know the game, and they do an awful lot of, of talking. And when it needs to be said, now look, I, I have no problem opening my mouth and and saying something if it needs to be said, um, or pulling someone up if they need to be pulled up, you know. But again, you have to be very conscious. It's an amateur game, which you, you all have the one. I suppose goal at the end of it, and you're all kind of going into one direction. So it, it's not really that hard, you know. You don't have to kind of pull lads up or anything like that anymore. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to think that I do most of it on the field, but if it's necessary, I can, I can speak in the dressing room too. 
Yeah. Um, you seem to be, you're kind of like a fine wine. You're getting better with age there. You're, you're a fit as a fiddle still and you're taking the knocks, you're giving the knocks. What's the secret, boss? Jeez, I don't know what the secret is. Um, I don't feel like I'm getting better with age. It's, it's getting a little bit uh, from training. To tr- I, I struggled really bad after lockdown um, I with my hips and uh, it was very, very hard to train uh, three times a week. I wasn't really able to do it. I, I got a huge amount of help from um, Tanya Gagan and, and Nula Moan um, to help me get just get right. So it, I suppose it was just uh, the amount of training that came on uh, after doing only individual training, if you get me, you know. Um, the body just, it, it took a while to, uh, to customize to that. And uh, But no, um, I have to kind of work behind me now and I seem to be able to train every day and, and play every game. So I'm pretty happy. I've been lucky up to now because by no means would I say I, I, I've been the ideal inter-county footballer by any means of imagination, you know. So um, I think it's just maybe a bit of luck. I mean, it, it's good, I suppose, I'm fairly bony, and when lads do hit me, they kind of come off the worst most of the time. So I'm blessed that way. You're like you're like the Eddie Cody equivalent on the on the football side, because Eddie Cody was the same. Like there didn't look to be too much in, in Eddie when he was playing hurling. But anyone that bumped into him, kind of kind of knew all about it. Listen, let's take it back to the club stuff just brief, briefly before we talk about um, Offaly on on Sunday in the championship, and we're going to talk about the Sligo game, of course, as well from a couple of weeks back, like. A rogue had this awful knack the last couple of years of just getting kind of true games and then hitting form at the right time. And you boys were just preparing for a semi-final. Jason must have been really, really disappointing to not get the whole thing played off. And I'm sure you were ready to hit the ground running. You always used to kind of get to a semi-final stage. The next thing, a rogue would just evolve and, and peak at the right time. I'm sure you were engaged in that direction. Yeah, well, that was the plan. Um, I mean, everyone was kind of saying we, we weren't playing well uh, in the three group games uh, this year. Now, we won, I think we won the three of them by an average of nine points, um, which isn't too bad going. But again, I wouldn't say we were out of third gear um, at any time uh, throughout it. Uh, but we were trying to just get get ready for the knockout stages because realistically, the way the championship is, you're still going to be in it after the group stage, more than likely, unless a disaster happens and you lose the three. Um, so there's always a chance you're going to make a knockout stage. So it's about peaking. I think in other years, and Joe learned from it as well, Joe Murphy, um, against oh, Leinster especially. Uh, and even when you won championships and we went to Leinster championship, we were kind of dead in our feet. So Joe has been, and he's got very good at this, is just going step by step and increasing every every round. And when it comes to knockout then getting us right and ready and, um, and, and jumping out of the skin, for the knockout games, and that's been the way we've been doing it over the last few years, and it's worked well. And um, come semi final and final stage, we probably put in our best performances, I'd say. Uh, and again, in Leinster Championship last year, and um, we probably improved every game. Um, but that's how we've done it, and and it was going to plan, I thought, uh, up onto the semi final this year. And obviously, then with the Palatine situation, um, their game was moved back a week. And we were supposed to play that week as well against Mo Leinster. But I, I think Raffili, um obviously were concerned that we'd have the winner of our game would have an extra week's rest going into the final, um, which is understandable too. And it, it makes sense. It, it would have given us a chance to get our injuries right or given Mo Leinster Rangers a chance to get their injuries right. Uh, and they had Chris Nolan that who needed a couple of weeks. So I can understand that too. But it would have been nice to get the semi-final played anyway. Um but, okay, it wasn't to be, and, 
And then this year, you kind of just have to expect those kind of things. And we were all training and we were buzzing and training was going really well. And then just to be stopped like that was was hard. But I suppose we were straight in with the county, so it was, there wasn't a whole lot of time to think about. Yeah, you had a consolation there. Just something I'm, I'm kind of interested in with, you know, peaking at the right time. How do you actually go about kind of, like in my mind, right? You go out and you play well and you give your best or whatever. And then it's not like you're going to go out and give 80%. Like you're still going out and giving 100%. When you say Joe increase things, is it the training load that increases? Is it like what actually changes as you progress into the championship in order to go up that extra gear? Uh, well, I suppose like he wasn't really getting a full squad together until the Carlo had finished. There could have been between seven and 10 lads in with the county team. So he didn't. He never had a full panel. So we'd come back from Carlo and we'd be flying fit, match fit, where the other guys wouldn't have had a whole lot of matches played at a high intensity. So it was kind of, he, what he, he tries to level us off, you know, the kind of way, bring us back a little bit uh, and then use the, the group stages to put in some heavy training sessions and work hard during those weeks. And then when it comes down to the important part, we're refreshed. Uh, we get a couple. Of, we get a week's break coming into it or whatever, and then we're refreshed and we're ready to go again. Uh, I don't really like. It's there's not many people who know uh, the reasons behind what Joe, why Joe Murphy does things. Um, but I think that's that's some of the reasoning behind it. They've worked out fairly well to be to be fair to him. In, and he's in... lucky as well. In fairness, <laughs> very lucky over the years. Listen, come here. <laughs> um, let's let's bring it back to the county. So, and that Sligo game, Jesus! Like I was only saying to Paul Cody earlier on in the episode that um, just to see a game of football brought serious enjoyment to me on a personal level, and I speak for every GA supporter in Carlo when when I say that from from talking to people and and looking at Twitter and stuff. When you actually saw a game of football being played, it was just like wow. Uh, we have something to look forward to, and uh, it was a damn good performance as well. Two seventeen to two fifteen. Um, polar opposite to what you are used to in terms of tight, tenacious battles and and counter attack and stuff. It just looked like old school open football, kind of open season kind of a job. Could have went either way. Yeah, it could have. Um, yeah, it's a little bit new. No, but look, I played, I played that way for for many years with Carlo, and we didn't really get. Um, a whole lot of success. Um, now, we, we, we changed a little bit, but I suppose you have to kind of look at the players that are there too. Like under Thurlow and Tommy and uh, Stephen and Benji, like they played through a system that suited the players that they had. Whereas now, like we really struggled for forwards over the years, you know, scoring forwards, uh, if we're honest. And we tried to play, like we tried to put Kieran Moore in there who would be a back, if anything, you know, but we tried to put him up there because we were kind of struggling a bit and just using Kieran as an example, it was loads of others. Um, so they played the system that they thought suited their players. And it did, in fairness. Um, we had a, a team, we didn't have the fastest team in the world, but we had a very strong and big and physical team. So they did what they had to do to, to get the best out of us. And, and it worked um, for huge periods. Um, but I suppose if you're looking at this this generation of team, um, where you have your Ross Dunphys and, and Jordan Marcy's, Josh Moore, um, then you have Chris Blake, Connor Crowley. Like you've got really, really fast, dynamic players, scorers as well, you know. Um, so I suppose Niall and Jur and, and the rest of the management team have that luxury where if 
we can leave you a little bit more open at the back, knowing that we have the shooters and the scorers and the far end, you know. So, um, yeah, again, I, I just put it down to the players that are there at the moment. We have a very, very attacking squad and, and Niall is going to go that way, I think. Yeah. And look, um, I'm probably a little bit unfair by, by saying complete open season because I know there'll be a lot of work done from uh, a defensive uh, point of view. And uh, <laughs> just to put it out there, um, Mr. Potter got in touch last week and I don't think he was, he was too impressed with last week's episode. <laughs> he won't mind me saying it. But just to put out that disclaimer once again, there was no criticism of the previous style. Uh, it was actually defended a good bit by myself, even when other lads were lambasting it. So... Uh, I think the bones of last week's episode was pretty much the factors in the scores, you know, in how the scores were being worked. Uh, the play was unbelievable in terms of the link-up play, the ball being played in, lads coming off the shoulder, different things like that, which was no different actually when we were playing counter-attack in football. It all, it all kind of works together. It was praising that style is what I'm trying to get at, you know, or as opposed to criticising the previous one. It was finding the positives in what you did in that Sligo game. No criticism of previous styles. We all want to see Carlo win, and it doesn't matter what way it's done, but <laughs> Stevie, calm a little bit. Um, th- look, come here. In terms of uh, Offaly, let's talk about them, because last year there was a bit of a grudge match in uh, <laughs> up in, up in Tullamore, and only a couple of points in it, a couple of, couple of sendings off, but there hasn't been a championship meeting in 13 years. Now, you weren't involved in, I think you came in 2008, where you were telling me, like, Championship meetings few and far between, but I think back to 05 and that great day, which we spoke about a couple of times on the My Time and the Gansey series when Carlo won that with Carpenter's late winner. And uh, geez, that was that was great to just even think back on. And I can't believe there's only been, you know, one championship meeting after that in 07 and, and none since. It's kind of mad considering you'd be meeting fairly regularly, be it O'Boran Cup or be it league over the years, like at different times. Yeah, it's strange because obviously the, the Leinster counties, you an awful lot, uh, especially when Offaly have been around Division 3, Division 4 as well. Um, but yeah, I haven't played them too often. Like I missed them. I played very little O'Byrne Cup because you became a, I was tied with the college for five years and then I rode my goal a little bit longer um, with some of the Leinster runs. So you weren't back in time. So it's only the league meetings and I think there's only been, I think I've only played them twice. Um, thinking of it. Yeah, but just going back on last year, um, we hadn't played them too too many times, so there was no, there's no reason to have a rivalry or a bit of a bite in it. But but there was there was a huge bite, and um, yeah, we got a couple of sends off. I think they had one, and they just I think it was level at half time, and then, and then they just pulled away in the last couple of minutes, which was was critical to um, us being relegated because they were the ones who ended up staying up with that last last day winner against Sligo, wasn't it? Um, yeah, there was literally late in the game as well. Yeah, I remember the one of the Offaly players kicked the ball off the goalkeeper's tee and started a row and then the ref let that go on for three minutes didn't play any injury time afterwards. So, yeah, they were very cute and, and ultimately it was, I wouldn't say that game cost us. It wasn't the one that I'd be thinking of that comes straight to mind. We spoke about the Westmead game at that point, maybe the Longford one where we were ahead and missed the penalty and, and obviously the down one where the referee found uh, injury time that wasn't there. Um there were three ones that would come to mind before the Offaly game. So, but looking back on that one, yeah, there was a lot of bite and there's some really, really good forwards as well, which, and you spoke about um, how attacking we were. That will be something we'd have to address. And we have addressed it over a couple of weeks. Like we were very, it was kind of you score, we score against Sligo. And that's not something that you can probably do against Offaly because they have some really dangerous guys in there with, 
but there's a couple of McNamee's there and Niall Darby and Anthony Sullivan and um, Bernard Allen, you know, so they're five top-class inter-county forwards, so we'd have to tighten up a little bit. Um, still playing our game, obviously, um, the attacking game, but we'd have to be a little bit tighter at the back than we were against Sligo, which obviously will be the case now that we've had two weeks to work on it. Yeah, so um, working with Niall and working with Ger Brennan and the boys, uh, how are you finding this so far? Niall, from my end, I, I know from his time with Pal or whatever, uh, very approachable, no problem getting permission to speak to yourself. Um, just uh, just seems like an all-around good guy. Yeah, again, um, like we've only been together, he picked the panel the Tuesday before the Sligo game, so we haven't really been together very long. Um, I met him just before... Uh, we went back training and had a good chat with him and he was very open. He explained the style he wanted to play and the reasons behind it and how he approaches the game and that kind of thing. So it was very optimistic and because um, I was kind of thinking, should I should I give it a rest for this year? Because I was, remember I told you I was struggling with, with injuries kind of and um, after speaking to him, I was like, no, I, I'm very keen on going back in and seeing what they have to offer and seeing what direction they're going to go in. And, and Jerry brought Jerry in on board as well. The Bayer, he calls himself. I don't know if you know that, Kevin. If you're talking to him again, you might bring it up. Um, but um, they've been excellent. And uh, training is sent out the day before to plan what we're going to do. Um, we train for an hour tops, all kind of game-based. Obviously, we do our warm-up with, with Kieran, and then it's an hour with the guys. Uh, and it's excellent. And I suppose it's we're very lucky to be training at all. But, I mean, to have that standard of training is, is a huge bonus and something to look forward to every every Tuesday and Thursday. Are you kind of comfortable enough playing with what's going on? Yeah, personally, I, I'm just, I'm at home on my own. I don't, um, I don't have any issue. Um, look, I understand the problems that are around there and then you see some of the, the county teams and, and the troubles they've had over the last few weeks. But they're very, like Vin, Vincent, Vinnie O'Brien, I wouldn't call him Vincent, Vinnie O'Brien um, is our county board, or do you call him? He's the, Covid liaison officer, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that's what he is, and our link, our liaison officer as well. He looks after it like he stands in the dressing room. We all have to get our temperature going in. We all wear masks. Once fifteen go into the one dressing room, they're moved. The next fifteen have to go into the other dressing room, and you're basically in. Drop your gear bag, and you're out onto the onto the training field. So, I mean, it's very, very well patrolled, and. Um, Again, I don't think they can do a whole lot more first from that point of view. Um, so yeah, look, I have no, I have no issues with playing at the moment. Just uh, a quick one that we didn't mention in last week's podcast. Uh, one of the one of the best pictures I've seen this year, and I, <laughs> I was in um, Dr. Colin Park before lockdown when Lockton Bridge played Tin Island in the, the junior semi final, and we're standing there in the terrace, and next thing I heard is this kind of like rustling in, in the hedge or whatever. I look back behind me and these boys are on top of a pallet on top of the hedges looking in over. And uh, during the match of different stages, you could hear the rumbling and whoa, lads just going like that. And the weight distribution was kind of off and the boys were not going down off the pallet. I was laughing at them. Lo and behold, John Murphy and, and Lee Walker go on and make an appearance on, I tell you now, I hope it's a stronger pallet because these boys are only chaps and they're under pressure. I tell you, that them two boys would have had a, a job with Fawcett Circus, I'd say, if they said enough for the whole game. But, jeez, it was some photo. I'm sure you, you came across that one, did you? Uh, at the minor, was it the minor final the photo was from? The minor football final. And then, was it John and, and Lee you're saying was on the pallet for the Sligo game? Yeah, I think Lee had it up the day after the Sligo game, yeah. 
yeah, in fairness, uh, it, it's strange times. Obviously, the two guys were kind of injured at the time and didn't make the, the panel. So you're only allowed 24 in on a match day. Um, so they were very keen to watch it by the sounds of things. Uh, I wasn't aware they were on, on the pallet. Um, but that's... Well, you know what? They might have upgraded to a sheet of eight by four plywood, and I hope they did because <laughs> the play, it was a dead trap of you after that. I was in there anyway. Uh, to be, re- be resourceful, men, the two of them, in fairness. Um, but look, that, that's the sign of the times. That's what, what they have to do with it, to see a game. In fairness... And they're on the bloody panel, like. And Jesus. They, well, exactly, they're on the panel. But then again, even when... When the intercounty isn't on, it, it's hard to get the five out of boys going into a game anyway. So I'm sure they're probably <laughs> going to sit there. They'll be on that pallet for a couple of years to come. Well, I tell you, John Murphy will be making an appearance on this podcast at some stage now because that's that's you and Dara Foley that uh, that <laughs> that have thrown on his way. So I I eagerly anticipate and I eagerly await the the response in due course. I did ask Lee Walker to come on actually a few weeks ago, and Lee, Lee didn't fancy it. But uh, look, it's not it's not for everyone. Um, you you had the balls to come on anyway, Sean, and, and put yourself out there. <laughs> yeah, we know. In fairness, um, we had Lee on the, and we did the podcast with the virtual leagues, and we, we got Lee on, and it, it took a couple of weeks of uh, of twisting his arm as such. He is a very quiet chap, and he doesn't like coming on and doing things like this. But uh, he's a great character and great crack. John would be very good as well. Um, we had John on too, and I, I'm probably I should have kept my mouth shut now because. I'd say he's an awful lot of ammunition there on me, but sure, I'm sure you'll get that out of him too. I'd say, I'd say it's coming all right. Um, Lee had an infamous uh, loss of car keys, I think, after one of those Carla games a few years ago. Is that right? I don't know that story, Kevin. Um, and I'm not even messing with you there. If I knew, I'd tell you. Yeah, that's all right. Look, he might come on. We might twist his arm. He knows we're only taking the piss on you. We might, we might get him on at some stage for the crack. I'm sure he'd have a tailor too, um, to, to tell us. But look... Uh, Sean, all I can say is best luck on, on Sunday. It is a half-one start. Uh, it's on the GA go. That gave us a heart attack the last day. We got most of the game, and then going to injury time, it, uh, it kind of shit itself. So <laughs> we didn't get to see the end of it. We had to resort to other means of media to find out yeah, what was after happening. But I, I was I only heard about that afterwards, obviously, but I was delighted because I missed a pudding myself in the last couple of minutes to go <laughs> a pint ahead, and I got kale. I got Colin Byrne gave me a hand pass, and I turned, and I met, I thought it was a train, whoever hit me anyway, and he put me on my back, and it was all missed, so it, it turned out well for me in the end. There's no evidence of it. Listen, come here, on a serious note, the very best luck on, on Sunday. Um, Hopefully we get the W, and Jay's what we wouldn't give to have another day out against Kildare. Yeah, well, that's the thing, I suppose. It's, it's a big incentive to get over roughly and have another week's training, you know, and, and kill this lockdown a little bit, or, or certainly get halfway through it. Look, I'll say the same to you as I said to Paul Corey. Thanks for genuinely now, and I'm speaking for the people, Carol. Thanks for actually putting yourself out there in a dangerous time for our enjoyment. It's very much appreciated, and, and the best luck. And thanks for coming on the pod, all right? Thanks, Kevin.